This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. January 10th, and this is Season 6, Episode 20 of the Four Stars Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me, with me this week, we have Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Jeff. Hello. And returning to the podcast, we have Catherine. Hello, everyone. Well, I want to jump right into it because we got a ton to talk about today, and I want to start with um, the, the midweek match, uh, the Carabao Cup Chelsea away uh, leg. Um, in this uh, semifinal. Um, so kind of, um, I think we went into a, most of us not feeling great about a, a victory. I think, Jeff, you had, were the one of the few people that had a predicted victory. Most people yeah. were their draw or loss. Thanks um, for pointing that out. <laughs> but, um, but I think most of us weren't feeling confident, but I know I was hoping that maybe we'd get like a, a 2-1 or a 1-0, something that we can, okay, we can at least, we we at least come out of this match with a good chance for our home leg, uh, but it didn't quite work out that way. And in, in some ways, that this was Tottenham beating themselves, wasn't it? Um, so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the first goal that we conceded and uh, um, what was happening there. Who wants to tackle this first? Uh, let's start with uh, Jeff. Yeah, well. It was kind of a weird back three to begin with. I mean, with Dyer out, you knew Sanchez couldn't play on the left. And so he put Sanchez in the middle between the other guys, and they just looked shaky right off the bat. But the pass that Tanganga sent out to Royal, I guess it was a pass. It it never even got to him, and that you know started the whole easy uh, Havertz uh, goal for Chelsea. So Yeah, I, I, it... it... It certainly was. That was the error that led to it. It was. Uh, we kind of at the bar thought it was an own goal, didn't we, Lucas? Uh, at the pub. Yeah, I'm. I mean, for me, it kind of goes into. It goes into the lineup in itself. Um, we've been we've been fortunate with uh, how well um, guys like Ben Davis, Sanchez, and Dyer have been able to uh, kind of find this new rebirth under Conti and they're very they seem to be very comfortable in this role that they're playing and then in this game it's like we had to switch it because Dyer was out with presumably COVID I don't know if that was ever official but Dyer was taken off and so instead of like again my hope was that we would slot in Joe Roden I know that's a big hope we know nothing about what Conti sees with Roden inside and out but Roden was on the bench so he was available and for me, I would have loved to see Roden slot in for Dyer because they've been we've been told that that's pretty much why Roden doesn't play is because they play the same position and Dyer's just a little bit better. So Roden would be comfortable in that center role and we could leave Sanchez in his right center back role, which is where he's been comfortable. And we know Sanchez is always capable of a mistake, especially where he's playing somewhere where he's not been at his best and not been comfortable. And Tanganga on top of that, has been pretty dodgy at best over the last several months anyway. Other, 
I mean, aside from just putting Grealish in his pocket during the City game in the first game of the season, he hasn't looked spectacular and he's had some hit or miss moments. So and so that's where I just found it weird that we were going to slot Sanchez over to the center and throw in Tanganga. As soon as I saw that, I was like, this is just, uh, he gave me a stomach cramp. I was like, I don't know what to expect. And sure enough, that a couple of just horrific moments at the back from a couple of those guys just uh, four minutes in and we're down one nil and it's like this ties off to just a horrific start. Yeah, and, and it was really rough to watch Tanganga get a chance here and really struggle. Um, uh, you want to see somebody be able to come in and have a, a success, but yeah, you have to wonder, like, what did Joe Roden do? I mean, and we'll talk about him a little bit probably in uh, the FA Cup match when we get, we get to the FA Cup match. But, um, but yeah, it seems like that would have been the, the, the move here um, with Dyer unavailable, but... Um, Unfortunately, no. Um, but we also have Ramiro coming back soon, so that might fix the remove this problem altogether. But uh, Catherine, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, I was going to jump off of uh, what Lucas is talking about with uh, with Tanganga, and that he has looked a little dodgy, a little shaky, and I can see what Conte is trying to do with trying to integrate some of the players that haven't been playing as much, like Rodon, uh, like we saw the other day, but also Tanganga hasn't, when he does play, he hasn't been as, I don't know, not as swift a foot as he usually is. And I think that's from lack of playing, lack of at, at least being um, start in the starting 11. And, and I don't know if we'll touch on this a little bit later, but I think that there are quite a few people who would be worth going on loan or even just getting bought out and, and going somewhere else. So then they can, can have more playing time because I think Tanganga is a good player and he does have flashes of brilliance. Like what uh, Lucas was talking about when, um, when we saw them play against uh city at the beginning of the season, but then you have games like uh, against Chelsea where he just looks so out of, out of his depth because he hasn't been playing and it would be worthwhile, I think, to have that time on the pitch and time the to have that wherewithal to have, like what Jeff just said, too, that he didn't even complete the pass to Royal. And if you're playing a lot, you can understand distances and and uh, like it's science class, like the theory of of. Uh, how fast people are running versus when uh, they catch up to the ball versus when they catch up to the the defender or the the um, the offense and and so I think that Tanganga and some other players would be um, uh, it would be good for them to have some time on the pitch just maybe not within the Spurs' starting eleven. Um, but that's something that, I, like I said, I wasn't sure if we were going to touch on later, but that's something that really stuck out to me, like what Jeff said, with that, just that one incomplete pass uh, that really, I got the the brainstorm going for me. Well, it, it seems like what you're talking about, Catherine, is repetition, that, uh, that these guys that aren't getting minutes, 
don't have enough repetition to really get into sync with one another when they're on the pitch. And we probably will talk about that with the FA Cup match as well. Uh, Jeff? Just one quick thing on the Rodin thing. Supposedly, Alistair Gold had talked to Conte after that. And the reason Rodin didn't start is because he had a rib injury, which is also why he was supposedly kind of off to a slow start in the Morecambe game, too. Um, you would think that his rib must have been sticking out of his chest <laughs> for uh, considering that back three that Conte uh, uh, decided to go with instead. But that was supposedly the official reason why he didn't start. Yeah, but he was well enough just a few short days later, so you have to wonder how serious that was. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, and, and again, he was on the bench. So, I mean, if to me, I, I get, like, sometimes you put somebody on the bench for a specific reason, like, oh, maybe if we can get him in a couple minutes at the end or something, like, get him a run out. Like, I kind of expected maybe we would see Romero against Morecambe or something in one of those situations, kind of like how we threw Bale on against Marine when we were up by five with, in the 70th minute. Just just like sometimes you have guys on the bench for just to get a run out if you can. I understand that. But to me, it's like if somebody's capable of being on your bench, they they should be capable of starting because that shit does happen. I mean, when Roden came in against Crystal Palace, it was in the 15th minute because Hugo sent a hospital pass to Dyer and got him knocked out. So it was like, it happens. So if you're on the bench, to me, it's like you should be capable of giving at least 90. But again, I'm not going to tell Conti how to run his ship. I'm sure there's a lot we don't know. The thing to me that was the most disappointing actually comes from some of our like senior players, not even our back three that was, look, I think we all said we, we knew that there was a capability or a big chance that that was going to be a shocking back three as soon as we saw it. But um, for me, it's, it seems like when we, how often do we have these semifinals or finals where we come out and just look flat? When was the last final or semifinal where we came out and looked? I think it was when we played Man United in that FA Cup semi at Wembley a few years ago, and we went one nil up and then ended up losing two nil. But we looked up for it in the first twenty five minutes. Other than that, it's like we get in these semifinals and finals, and it's like we're afraid of the moment. And I, I to just like when when we went down four nil in the first or one nil in the first four minutes, like not one of us was surprised. We were just like, "Up, oh, yep, standard semifinal or standard cup final or big game." It's just I don't get how guys. I, I know Hugo's limited because he's in the goal, but th- to me, it's like we gotta have from our senior leadership. There there needs to be some boost because again, Lucas Morris seems like he's the only one that's up for these. Games. He didn't care. He was just like, "I'll give it a run." Like. But guys like Kane, it's like, how are you not grabbing guys by the scuff of the neck and trying to, I don't know. It just, it, it seems like it's a leadership question to me where we have these time and time again, it's just, we have the same result and it's just us folding and not being ready for the moment. Even I, I actually didn't start well. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it yeah. took a last minute, last minute miracle on that, that one. Yeah. So. So even like the ones that we think of as some of our greatest moments in like uh, cup semis or, um, or or finals, like even that was not a good start. So you're right. Like where you, and to be fair, like I I think this Chelsea team was much better than we we have the potential to be right now, even with the Conte system, uh, with the work that he's been doing with our squad. We just do not have the midfield to take on their midfield. Um, our are attacking uh, lethargic mostly because I think they weren't getting enough of the ball. And we saw that with like, Chelsea having 19 shots, six on target. We only had 
five total shots and only two of them were on target. Uh, we they had 64 percent of the ball um, throughout the match. We we just weren't getting the opportunities because we just weren't good enough, and we didn't um, we weren't able to mount a strong enough counter at any point in time, which is what I think we really need to do against the side that was clearly better than us. Um, it, it was just frustrating to to see like, uh, and I don't think it was necessarily the game plan that was wrong. It was just. Uh, uh, the, the the talent wasn't enough to get the job done um, in this case. Well, and I have a question uh, concerning the leadership and talent, like what you're saying, Anthony. Um, and this is a little bit more of a generic question. So none of you guys or any, any of our listeners might have the answer. But um, my question is often, how do we get that injection of leadership when we need some of those seasoned veterans who have won things besides Hugo, who's in goal, like what Lucas is saying, who's hampered by being at the end of the pitch and not on the, like literally on the pitch, just running around. But then also how do you, how do you have, yeah, that, that seasoned veteranness, but then also, weigh that with the new blood and the talent and the injection of uh, energy and effectiveness and excitement and and how do you get that in games like in semifinals or finals and like I said this is kind of a generic question but uh, what do you guys think? I mean uh, to me it's just I don't know how it's just, it seems like in terms of like, it's a good, I mean, the simple answer is we need new players. <laughs> like that's pretty much the simple answer. But um, if you, if you think like sometimes it, it, the reason I think it's such an attitude thing is because there are teams that go up against other teams. Perfect example would be Newcastle played Man United a couple weeks ago. And they, I think they, they drew, uh, I think they drew one, one, but it was like, Newcastle bossed the game at home at St. James, like, and it's, so it's like those, that Newcastle team didn't give a crap that it was Man United rolling in. They were just like, we're up for it. Like they understood that big game and took that approach. Whereas like when we played Man United at home, we looked scared shitless. Or when we play in these big semifinals, we looked scared shitless where it's like, again, perfect example is last year, the league cup final against Man City. That was probably one of the most embarrassed I've been watching Spurs in my entire life because we just knew from Jump Street we weren't going to have a game, and we sat back, just low block, tried to hit him on the break, maybe got a shot on goal. Geo hit the post once or something like, but that was it. There was no, it didn't. We didn't go for it. I'm like, I would have rather us lost that game seven nil, but actually give it a go. And to me, it's like, especially it just seems like Chelsea. It's always against fucking Chelsea, but we never give it a go. And it's just. Well, and, and that's why I asked, though, because it's against these teams that we've won. We, we've we beaten Chelsea, like, what was it, three, four years ago when we had the double against, or the 2 0 against uh, Chelsea and, and Delhi. It was the same goal, pretty much, from Ericsson to Delhi. And we have the quality. But then also, yeah, who do you bring in to beat the teams like Chelsea in a League Cup game where we know we can beat them, but then also we don't. And we look scared shitless. 
when this happens. But then also, who do you bring in to have that leadership and on the pitch? But then also, you don't want... I was against kind of Lorente. I understand, like, the lore of Lorente, but also, like, you don't really want a Lorente type who's going to be 34, 35, just lumbering around the pitch. I mean, I know some might, but I personally don't. Um, but then also he has that quality that he can bring. And he did during, during our campaign in, in the Champions League. And so how do you weigh those? Uh, how do you weigh that up against like what I'm saying, Chelsea, and we know we can beat them, but then we don't. We're going to have Jeff answer your question, and then uh, we're going to go to MVP after that. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. I'm not sure if I can answer it, but, uh, but I was just gonna, you know, it's amazing with the number of internationals we have on this team who are in positions of leadership with their international clubs. Um, and, you know, Sun, Kane, Hoyabear, uh, Davis, and on and on. And yet, like you were saying, Catherine, in big games, their heads come off. Hoiber in this game, in this Carabao Cup, was awful. Even before Tanganga made his, you know, horrible pass, um, Hoiber did that terrible sideways one to skip where it just looked like he was absolutely terrified. Um, it's so frustrating that we get all these these international leaders and then they don't play well for us in big games when we need it. And I think, Catherine, that's why we keep getting linked with every experienced player out of Serie A who's getting near the end of their contract, right? It's like somehow Prodigy and Kante know the guys who are character guys to bring in that'll that'll magically turn us around, but then you get afraid they come in here and they'll they'll fall apart like the other guys have. So I don't know what the magic bullet is. I think that's part of the reason why we brought Bale back on loan, right? Because he two-time Champions League winner um, you know, he was going to impart that to the team and that didn't go anywhere. You know, uh, Jose had a lot to do with that, but it still didn't seem to rub off even in that case. Yeah, it really seems to be a, a, an ongoing problem and a, we can only hope that in these next two windows that we find a way to resolve it. Um, <clears throat> but we do need leadership as well as uh, young talent. And uh, um, I think Conte is somebody who likes to go for the those experienced players i mean he, he might like a project here and there but he but he definitely wants some experienced players that uh, that are proven winners as well so we'll see how the that goes but let's go to mvp on this one um it's tough to come up with one uh, does anybody have somebody off the top of their head that they think played particularly well in this match uh lucas i don't know about particularly well but i'm gonna give mine to lucas Mora just um just out of uh, to me, it's it's nice to see someone not be afraid of the moment and actually have, again, he doesn't care if he's playing against Morecambe or Barcelona away. He's got one speed, one level of confidence, and is there ways that he could improve his game? Of course, but um, it was good to see him at least be up for it and at least give it a go. Didn't really end up giving us much, but it's like he was the one guy that I saw that at least looked like he wanted to go score and make a difference. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Jeff? I do not have an MVP for this game. I, do, I thought it was pretty bad across the board. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't think Skip was that terrible. I didn't want to see Skip come off first 
I, I, how Skip came off before Hoybier in this match is beyond me. Um, but um, I understand like a change needed to be made, and we were definitely losing the, the midfield battle, which is uh, m- making this game pretty pitiful to watch. So I can understand the, wanting to change something up. It just didn't seem like the right guy to change up. Um, so I kind of question that decision as much as I'm... Um, it, I'm I trust Conte to to make the right decisions. That's one that I'm I'm a little bit iffy on, uh, but it's tough for me to give it to Skip. So maybe I will st- stick with Lucas and say Lucas. Uh, Catherine, do you have anybody? I think I will agree with Jeff's uh, sentiment and just say I don't really have anybody. I luckily or unluckily, depending on how you see it, wasn't able to watch the whole match, and so I don't want to say anybody and not have it be uh, a full 100% uh, like just there with my my decision. So I'll say I don't have one. Okay, uh, I can understand that. Um, let's uh, go back around the horn and uh, do the LVP next. So starting with Lucas uh, once again. Um, I mean, you could just take your pick on this one, really. But um, I give mine to Doherty. Um, just useless. Again, if you're getting subbed off at halftime by a guy that's not even the same position as you, there's a problem. Um, it's just, it, it just, it, it basically just says how like you're the weakest. Like, not to say he was playing the worst, but it's like you're the most useless player out there. So we're changing our formation to bring on Ndombele. We needed to bring on Ndombele, so then it's like. Well, who can we spare? Well, you, you've done nothing. Like, you just get out. Like, it's, yeah, he, he just, he's just another useless performance for me. It was just bothered me. <laughs> okay. As per usual. Jeff? Yeah, lots of contenders for this one, right? Um, <laughs> I'm going to give it to Tanganga by a nose over Hoybeer. Um, and really, maybe it should be Hoybeer since he's more senior and you don't expect him to be as awful as he was. But Tanganga was directly um, responsible for both Chelsea goals. So I, I'm going to stick it to him. Um, but uh, he definitely has a lot of other people he can point a finger at. Yeah, for it not to be Hoybier in this match, Tanganga had to have made some pretty dumb mistakes, and he certainly did. So he's my LVP too. But again, it was by a hair, uh, just over Hoybier. Uh, Catherine, who do you have? I think I will abstain from LVP since I didn't have one for MVP. Even though, like I, I just don't want to have to have a pile on for Tanganga. So I'll, uh, I'll abstain from both MVP and LVP. Okay. Uh, well, well, good conversation there. We will, in the second half, preview um, the upcoming leg of this uh, competition uh, this Wednesday, uh, so we don't need to talk about that here. So let's roll the conversation uh, uh, right along into um, uh, the, the weekend. So um, so FA Cup, um, always, I guess, the magic of the cup, as they like to say. Um, we went into the weekend against uh, a League One side in Morecambe. The, uh, I think most of us were pretty confident that whoever we put out there, we should be able to uh, handle this team. Um, now, um, Conte really had this belief in like an A squad, B squad thing, and he put the the total B squad out there. Um, other than Ben Davis, who who plays in um, uh, the first team mostly, 
um, and was captain. There, uh, most of the other guys were are not were not starters in that squad. Um, but this was a big opportunity for people like Deli Ali, for Ndombele, for Lacelso. Um, uh, this was their big chance to show what they can do against a League One side that, that shouldn't be able to uh, handle us well until they handled us pretty well. Um, and it was a frustrating first half, and obviously they drew first blood, and it, it was ultimately pretty pathetic that we had to uh, we, we had to bring it in first team players to to get a result here. Um, but let's I'll let you guys tackle it with that setup. Uh, uh, so uh, who wants to take it on first? Uh, let's start with I'll, uh, I'll mention that I've, I try not to be hard on all of our players because they are I don't want to say all quality players, but because quite a few of them don't have great quality to them, but you know they try hard a lot of times and, and they try and put effort in but I know we'll have the Ndombele conversation, but I wanted to point out that I don't, we need a striker or a, we need a keeper because we like Golini is, I don't understand him. Um, he had so many communication issues, especially with Doherty. And if you're, if you're substituting in for the captain the, the club, club captain and on-pitch captain in Hugo Lloris, you better at least have some sort of, uh, like, just confidence in yourself and some sort of, I'm going to take over and I know what I'm doing because this is a B squad besides, like, what you were saying, Davis is, was on the pitch as the, like, A player, quote-unquote. Um, but there needed to be some sort of cohesion with Galini and the defense. And I, I don't know how we will get by with, well, with Hugo, not currently having a new contract and Galini still being under contract. So that's what I wanted to start with. Lucas, I, I think yeah, I think the person that was probably most excited about that was Hugo. Hugo was like, I just got loads of new bargaining power for my like for all these like talks that we're hearing for his new contract. It's like, do you want to have that guy or do you got to ante up and pay me a little bit more? Because yeah, I think Seriously. I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to take I don't want to just tear Galini apart because we haven't just we just haven't seen that much of him. But there clearly is there hasn't been a time that he's been out there that I've been stunned and or had like, wow, this guy's class. Like this guy could be the future. It's just there's always mistakes there. The, you could argue that the goal that happened, the corner was not his fault, but conceding the corner was. They got the corner because he had no communication. Roden boxed out his man and was letting him come collect it, and he just didn't. So Roden looked and was like, oh, crap, you aren't going to take this, and had to just boot it for a corner out of like a sheer panic moment. But yeah, it's um... also I said Doherty and I meant Rodon for that communication issue. Cause mm, that yeah, because was... yeah, Rodon was doing Rodin, what he was supposed Rodin... to and then was like. And was like, what he, the hell are you doing? He controlled it on his chest, and then it was still bouncing so high that you would think you would think that Galini would have come out and, and grabbed it. And yeah, yet and he was like, wait, what are you doing? And it was clear that he he had his back to the defender. He was getting his hips in front of him. He was trying to just box him out and clear the path for him. It was 
it was weird. But there's, I think with, at least the nice part is, for me at least, that communication issues like that and confidence in those ways, that's something that can be worked on. That can come with repetition and building relationships with your defenders. Because, again, that was a complete hodgepodge squad of just mix and match, plug them in, just kind of bodies out there. So maybe, who knows, maybe with if Hugo, God forbid, were to, like, get injured or something, like kind of like what we saw with Gazaniga a few years ago, where Gazaniga was forced into playing for, like, three straight months. And he had a few errors in there, but, like, he he grew a lot as a goalkeeper because he was playing regularly and building relationships with his defenders. So it's it's a thing that it could work out. Who knows? But I think Hugo's got to be excited about his new bargaining power. That's for sure. Uh, Jeff? It's funny because it feels like we're talking about a loss, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but, yeah, you guys are right. Galini's probably still out there on the pitch facing the wrong way on a set piece, standing still, <laughs> too. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's just horrible to watch. And, but, um. Really, this was just a, a bad replay of the Europa Conference League, right? Every time we trotted these guys out there, you know, on all these on all the away matches, they would fall straight on their face. They couldn't create anything, um, you know, and none of them looked good. And this for the starting eleven yesterday, I thought three players seemed at least decent, and that was Winks, Hill, and Sessegnon until the halftime switch when Conte set Sessegnon to the right for some reason. Um, he didn't play as well on the right, but you wouldn't expect him to. That's not his position. But, uh, you know, otherwise, yeah, we trap these guys out there, you know, expecting different results, which is the definition of insanity. I yeah. can understand what Conte was doing with Sessegnon because it was very much of like an Ariane Robin type of situation where he wanted to have him go on the right and then cut back, go on the left, um, like what Robin does. But Sessignon and Robin are very not on the same plane. Um, but I agree with you, Jeff, where I thought Sessignon, um, of the three players that you mentioned, I have often been, I think, more impressed with Sessignon than others. But I think that he has a lot of potential, and he often – similar to what Lucas often says about Lucas in that Lucas Mora has a lot of energy and, and puts out a lot of effort. Like it seems like Sessegnon does that because he continually runs at players and, and runs at the defenses. And he, he has at least somewhat of a vision you can, I I would think, but um, yeah, I would, I agree with you, Jeff, on that. Uh, the players that, stuck out to you on on the good side well and if you're going to try something like uh, switching uh um Sessignon from one side to the other this is probably the right match to try it uh, like uh you know league one side even if we are down you have to expect that we have enough time to put the right pieces in and come back so if you want to try to see if he's got the talent to be able to do that switch the the Conte does like the favor then um, then, then yeah, give it a try here before you're uh, you're trying it out against uh, City in midweek. I mean uh, Chelsea midweek. I mean uh, Lucas. Yeah, and, and again, that's one of those things too where it's this game was even though we went down one and we had a whole mixed lineup out there. This game was kind of just a it was a, there were bodies that we were just throwing out there to fill time. This was about. We have Chelsea two more times this month. We got Chelsea and Arsenal within the next seven days. 
and then we have Leicester as well. Some massive games coming up. So this was just about the rotation and just getting guys runs out. And so I wasn't like too down about the if on if anything, it actually just felt pretty familiar to play <laughs> playing an FA Cup game where we just come asleep at the wheel and almost lose to a lower league side. That's one of our specialties, apparently. But the yeah the the whole thing for me was I just wanted to make sure everyone. It was just like, hey, everyone stay safe. Nobody get injured or anything. Nobody pick up a knock. And I knew it was like once we put on those subs, I was like, this is a straight shot. Like, we're going to just take over the game, which we did. And I was, again, I would have rather not had to use some of those guys like Kane or Lucas, like to come out and get involved in the game. But I think the part, again, where I'm a little bit disappointed is kind of the same conversation that we've had about the Europa Conference League this year, where I know that it's difficult to have any type of fluidity when you have a whole new squad of rotated guys that don't play together frequently. I understand that. But at the same time, these are opportunities for these players to, even if it's not, even if it's not, doesn't look like, again, I would use the word, if there's no fluidity, it's like, I have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to go make a case for yourself. This is your chance if you're Delhi or Ndombele or someone that's, Hey, I I want to play more, or I want to be part of the starting role, or hey, I want to get sold. Sell me. It's like, well, make it then prove why somebody would want to buy you. Prove that you have some value that we can sell. Like th- these are opportunities where, again, time and time again, with this group of eleven that seems to get run out there in these throwaway games, they just everyone just seems to be asleep at the wheel, and no one takes advantage of that. Like. They're one again. Bergvine coming in against West Ham was the one time I've seen somebody this year get thrown into the mix and take advantage of their opportunity for the for that group of backups, yeah, we'll call them, or rotation players. Well, I want to uh, tackle a, a specific player, and we have a, a more of a comment that comes from Shubes uh, on on this player. Um, I'm not going to read the the comment, uh, but but Shubes is basically uh, questioning whether. Um, and Dombele, who we all know did not have a good day out, and he's one of those guys that if he wants to get sold or wants to prove himself to be into the, the squad, needed to have a big day, um, and he did not. Uh, Shoops kind of questions whether the forward, uh, the lack of a forward option for um, Dombele to, to pass to um, could have been an additional cause, not making excuses for for uh, for Ndombele, but uh, could be an additional reason why he wasn't successful in this match. Um, let's talk about Ndombele. Let's talk about it all. Let's talk about when leaving the pitch, the whole detail in relation to Shub's question here. Um, and let's uh, let's have uh, Lucas tackle it first because your mic's on. Well, I think one thing that, yeah, you could make the case that having the lack of forward options could be problematic to him but again he has the ability to carry the ball forward as well as pass the ball forward he's very good at carrying the ball forward and everyone seems to rave about that about how great he is in training you can't get the ball off him and it's like this is a guy that we paid 65 million dollars for and he doesn't have the ability to run at Morecambe and see what happens like you don't need to have like this beautiful unlocking pass that has a runner behind or a deep diagonal that hits somebody in stride like press them prod them a little bit see if they see if they can like it's fucking Morecambe like these aren't 
this isn't the best defense in Europe. Like you can run at them if you're like you have the ability to take somebody on. See if you can just keep them off, and then maybe the defense now having to scramble plays an open pass to somebody else out wide. Or there's just loads of options that it's just. I think he just is like. I think he's just doesn't really didn't really give a shit. I mean, that's very. I'm insinuating a lot there. It's not fair to talk about and assume players' attitudes and stuff, but I'm like, it didn't seem to me like he really cared that he was even out there. Well, and the way he left the pitch showed that he didn't. Yeah, really it was like... Uh, <laughs> when Harry Kane has to, to holler at you to get the fuck off the pitch. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like... like it, and meanwhile, you're getting booed by the, the crowd at that point. Like, there was like a screenshot that I saw... Pitch. There was a screenshot that I saw with him walking off, and there's like Dyer and Romero and like a couple other guys that are sitting on the bench, and they all look like they just want to chin him. They're like, this prick, like, get the hell off. Like, they look so angry. I was like, man, I, I wouldn't want to get that look from Dyer. Yeah. Got a well, headbutt in your future. You, you can't say that, kind of like what Lucas is saying, that you can't say that you know that his attitude, that you know what he's going through, because, I mean, Sissoko and Aurier left and they were two of his best friends on the squad as far as we all know and so that's a heavy hit and we we've all seen the Amazon Prime documentaries so we know that that was a difficult period of him coming to the squad and and being at Tottenham and then Jose and and Levy had the discussions and conversations with him um but then also like I'm not saying that Delhi is perfect or that he's not culpable but he at least showed at least something he tried um, against Morecambe he wasn't perfect he was not great I think that there is a lot that Delhi can improve upon and that he can work on but at least if you're in if you're comparing two of the players that were there against Morecambe that um, I think that it definitely shows that the difference when you have people who are clapping and I know that Delhi came off near the South stand. And so he was near a lot of uh, supporters, but they were, there were videos of him, people clapping him. Whereas like what we were just saying that Ndombele just saunters off. Like he doesn't, he didn't have any wherewithal of, Oh, I need to get off the pitch because it's 75 minutes in or 70 minutes in and we're down one nil to a league one side. And so he gets booed. Um, But I think that there's something to be said about the kind of like what Lucas is saying that like he, he doesn't need to have some sort of striker that or some sort of wingers who are who are uh, crossing the ball into him because if Delhi can do something with the ball and try and create, so can Ndombele. Well, just a really quick point. Like uh, uh, the thing is, De- Delhi ran right off the pitch when uh, when uh, when his substitution came. Brian Hill ran right off the pitch. They all three. It was a three-person sub. When as each name was called, they they ran off the pitch. And got off right away. It was it was only Ndombele who didn't didn't uh, head off right away. And and Delhi's like you look at Delhi's heat map. I mean he was he was god awful too. I mean like uh, maybe he tried a little bit harder, but he only had like one 
legitimate drive into the box and he was playing in a forward position. So it was pretty pitiful for him against. Uh, but he was uh, also. Orkham. I'm not. I'm like I said. I'm. Not, I'm not trying to say that Delhi is not culpable, but that's not his position. He was playing out of position, whereas Mdombele was playing in his position. He just needs to be coddled, apparently, and so you can't say it's a like for like. And that that's what I was saying. Like Delhi was at least trying, even though he was not good. He at least tried to make something of the position that he was in. Whereas Ndombele, I, I don't want to say that he's hopeless because I think he's very talented and that we've seen, we've all seen what Ndombele can do, but he just, it's like a once in a 20 game type of thing. Well, Lucas has a quick point to jump in with. Oh, I was going to say too, I think that like, I think we all kind of, there have been, I've been on this campaign for a couple of years now, but um, casual brag. But I think everyone's kind of coming to that point where we've there. There have been the like clinger, or the the late breakers that have kind of held out hopes for Ndombele, saying, "Ah, oh, you know, he's got that potential and potential." But you don't buy somebody for sixty-five mil because of potential. It's like we bought you to do a job, and I, there are ex- other circumstances too. Like I think. Catherine brought up the fact with Serge and Moose going, that probably doesn't help with your morale, but I mean, you're a professional. And I, I, I also say in his defense that he's had what now four different managers that he's worked under in three years, which is probably really insane. But yeah, I, I just, I think that we just, we're in such a tricky spot because I think we all know that this experiment with him has now come to an end. I think it's, it's time for him to go, but now how do we get that across the, like, how are we able to, it's not easy to get somebody like him out. His wages are rumored to be 200K a week, which is insane. And not a lot of teams can just pick that up. The teams that can just pay that aren't, are probably not excited about a guy that hasn't done anything for three years and doesn't seem to have the best attitude. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be really tricky. It's either we take a massive loss, which we've known Levy to never do before, or some team like Newcastle just comes in and spends ridiculous money for no reason or something like, so it's like we we're in a tough spot with him where we all kind of assume that this is the end and he doesn't seem to be part of Conti's plans going into the future, but how how do we get him out? (laughs) You know, how do we get him off the books, which is what we need. Yeah. I mean, he's lost the fan and certainly the booing him going off the pitch doesn't help his uh, market value. Obviously, you can't blame the fans for that, but um, but yeah, yeah. Now, now we got ourselves a real situation. How can we well, get? How do we? That, that booing is so important too, because it's yeah. Football fans in general are a fickle bunch. We are, but like, but Spurs fans have always had the. We've, we've always been at least if the effort's there, you'll always be clapped off the pitch. Like always, it doesn't matter but, if you scored three goals or you if you had. You had a couple of shit moments, but you gave your all, and everyone could see that you were just busting your ass out there. Then it's like you'll get clapped off the pitch. It's very rare that I see like the Spurs fans booing somebody coming off the pitch. That's why yeah. I even mentioned Lucas the Delhi substitution because, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he was like I said, he I was thought Delhi played South awful, stand. but it's like you could see that there was more effort there than Ndombele was. Right. Let's let Jeff get in here. 
Um, well, you know that I'm Team Tange, right? I was like from the Ruby game for Lucas. <laughs> I know I'm the one that you're doing. I was waiting for you to chip in. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to do a point counterpoint here. Just to say, on, on the one hand, you know, Conte's track record with creative midfielders is that they're always slow to adjust to him. You have Fabregas at Chelsea, took a while to settle in and and really get going in the system and know what to do. And then our own Christian Eriksen at Milan was considered such a failure that they were looking to move him on, um, you know, after, after the first half season. And then he kicked on in February and became really good. The difference between them and Ndombele is they had done it before. They had a track record. You knew that they were good players, and it was just a matter of time until it clicked with them in Conte. And we have no track record <laughs> with Tange. Um, he's got all the potential in the world, but he's never shown it. And I think that's why we're all so frustrated with him, because you can see it, but you never see him take over a match. You never see him be consistently good and involved and and put the effort in off the ball on the pitch. Um, and a manager like Conte can teach him what to do tactically and the right place to be and right thing, but he can't put the desire in him to be the player that Tange and his camp seem to think that he already is, right? They already think he should be part of Team France. They think he should be playing for one of the best teams in the world. But some light has to go off in his head that if he wants those things, he has to do it on the pitch. And that light hasn't gone off, and there's nothing that any Tange supporter can do to to bring that out of him. It's all down to him at this point. And Lucas, to your point, I think we're stuck with him. I I don't. I mean, he's got contract till twenty till summer twenty twenty five. It's huge. 200000 a week, who wants to pay that for him right now? And if we have to pick up most of that salary, it does us no good. That Then that's like hardly any money that we get back in the kitty to buy other people. So I think one way or another, um, we're going to have to figure this out. Well, I think the only way, the only solution is to take somebody else's unwanted wanted player that's similar Um and that's probably not going to do us any good because we're going to have somebody else that uh, maybe uh, uh, is leaving a bad taste in their own squad's mouth, but um, and, and hope that they take the Conte a little bit, bit better. That's the only solution. Uh, but Lucas, uh, I'll let you jump in. Yeah, just a quick thing I'd add on with Jeff there. It's like, and another thing, too, that not a lot of people think about, about how difficult it is to do these transfers and stuff is when you're playing at, at like when you're playing at Spurs, like, and you're making 200k a week, and you're training in one of the best training grounds, if not the best in Europe, and you're at the best stadium in Europe, and you are living in London, which is the best city in Europe, and you have a load of money. It's like it's a pretty comfortable life. So there's not a lot. It's one of the reasons we like had such trouble like getting rid of Danny Rose when Danny Rose was just living on the bench for not even training with the guys because he's like, why the hell would I leave? I make great money. I don't have to do. Because there are no good chip shops. Yeah, he's like, I just. I'm like, I just literally get to sit here, make a good paycheck, train with these guys, keep my skills up at a really great facility and live the life in London. And then when I move, I move. It's 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 difficult to move guys from like these like dead fish rolls when or lame duck, if you will, when they're just Dan, Danny is available, Lucas. You could get him back. <laughs> I would love to. I want him to be our coach for our fullbacks or our wingbacks. I want to hire him. We could sell Mason to Watford and take Danny and have him just coach up our wingbacks. 
Well, well, and ultimately we've talked about this match like it was a loss, but it was it was in reality a win, and and we did have the, those three substitutions come on when then Dombele came off. Um, we we got the uh, the miracle uh, Winks cross goal that like uh, we're just gonna say that he meant to do that, right? Or is is that we're gonna all go with? He claims he claims he did. He says he always oh, aims B-S. for the corner. That's like the one you don't he did believe? in Europa. One of our own. It's like the, that's the second time in uh, just under two years that he's had a goal off a cross that he claimed was. Oh yeah, I hit that. Like he knew he was just crossing that. At least, he <laughs> but nevertheless, it was it, it was so what then, we needed at that moment, though. So fair play to him. That was big. At for least us. he didn't. At least he doesn't need children to claim them. <laughs> yeah, right. say that it was from from his daughter or son's life. <laughs> well, and and he certainly put the ball into a dangerous area and like uh he had the right idea in mind regardless of whether he meant to do it and it was a beautiful goal um and it, it really only took a a short period of time uh, when all was said and done to get get three goals on the board and kind of put this game away you know it was a 74th minute for the winks one more scored in the 85th and then kane got his in the 88th and uh um and and we kind of put the match to bed right there. Um, any final thoughts on these uh, goals before we go to MVP, LVP? Uh, Lucas? I'll keep it quick. I just want to say big shout to, again, Winks. That was, even though it was a cross, it was what we needed at that moment. But, again, special shout-out to Lucas Mora. Um, you talk about a sub coming in and just taking over a game. That goal was literally just taking over. Like, his goal, he just took the ball off somebody and was like, you know what, I'm I'm taking this, and then just ran all the way in and housed it. So, that was a special mo- – again, it is Morkum, but, again, he's got one speed, and he was just like, well, I'm going to take the ball off this guy, run 50 yards, bash it in, and get us the lead. Like, he just did that all by himself. There was no assistance from anyone. He just decided that's what he was doing and did it. So that was a great – that was a special goal. Yeah, and, and and players at that League One level just don't know how to handle his acceleration, like his ability to go from from stop to, to, to go – in such a short period of time, not the fastest player in the world, but his ability to accelerate is, is world-class. Um, and yeah, that certainly was. And, and, and Kane did his job for, uh, I don't want to say for a change, but it was nice to see him get a, get a goal here as well. Um, but let's go to MVP for this one. Um, and let's start with, uh, Jeff again. Uh, for MVP, you know, Lucas made the most, uh, impact coming in, but I want to give it to Winks because he was part of the starting 11. I thought he played above average all game, um, which is really good. And also because I spent the better part of two years, every post-game rant, how much I hate him and want to get rid of him. But I think under Conte, he's proven he's a good squad player. You know, we can use him in rotation. We can use him in games like this. Um, and so as my apology to Harry Winks for saying he was completely useless and could never do anything, I thought he was the MVP of this match. And Joe Leslie, that's for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I'll just jump in here and say that um, as much as it pains me to admit it, Winks is my MVP as well. Uh, Lucas? I unfortunately have to jump in as well. I thought, <laughs> again, just like Jeff said, the bar, we don't set it too high for him, but I'm the first one to actually Rick's the first one, but I'm the second one to jump in and tear him apart when he's not playing very well. So I'll give him his due diligence here and say fair play to him. I thought he played a really pretty good game. Yeah. And for the whole match, he, he, mm-hmm. he and, and granted, obviously this is the league one side. 
so it doesn't say that much about him. But but good good job there. Uh, do you have anybody different, Catherine? No, I was going to say Winks as well. But then also on the flip side, my LVP, because I know you're going to ask that, I am bestowing my LVP uh, 50-50 to Ndombele and Galini. <laughs> okay, well, I like that, like that you roll right into the LVP. But I I do want to jump in and just point out that I think this was probably Winks' first clean sweep as uh, MVP ever. Yeah. In four-star Spurs history. Um, but, um, okay, I like your LVP, so we'll go the opposite way around the horn this time. So, Lucas, you're next for uh, LVP. Yeah, and Dombele, again. Just we've talked enough about it, but, yeah, he was mine. Had a yeah. clear opportunity to do something, try and make a name, make a case for himself. Didn't. Yeah, I mean, Golini, uh, there's certainly a case that can be made there, too, for Golini. But I, I, I think Ndombele is the bigger disappointment here for me. So uh, he's my LVP. Jeff? Um, I'm going to go with Tanganga for the second game in a row. He wasn't marking his man on the goal. Um, and he had all kinds of misplaced passes. Even in, in extra time, his passes were still going all over the place. Um, I actually like Tanganga. And, and Anthony, you and I talked before. I think that he's important for us to keep because he's an academy guy. He can play across theoretically anywhere on the back line. But if we're going to keep him to do that kind of thing, he has to perform better than he has these last two games because otherwise he he's no use to us at all um and i think he will and he has in the past um hopefully he'll get through it sooner rather than later yeah well and i'm team loan to be honest i think uh um i'd like to see him loaned out for half a year assuming that we can get another center back in or or, or at least ramiro comes back healthy and we're feeling pretty confident in our other options at that point but but I, I agree, like, he's got to be better if he's going to be the utility guy that we need. Um, well, um, any final thoughts before we go to half? Um, okay, well, that about wraps up the half. Uh, we are going to stay live, and uh, we have two halftime segments. Uh, second half, we will preview both the uh, Carabao Cup uh, uh, second leg at home to Chelsea and the, uh, the, the North London Derby this, uh, this weekend. Uh, but uh, first, we are going to go to uh, Catherine Spurs Woman Update and then Luke's Locks. So here we go. Take it away, Catherine. Thank you, Anthony. And hi, everyone. I'm Catherine, and I'm back with the Spurs Women segment. I last had a Spurs Women segment back in October with a look ahead past the international break to some matches in November. So we have quite a bit to cover in this update. So here we go for the recap. For the match played against Manchester United on the 7th of November in the Women's Super League, the match ended one all with a Rio Percival free kick goals deep in stoppage time in the 94th minute, grabbing the equalizer and the one point. The following weekend on the 13th of November, Spurs women claimed an historic point off of Arsenal. Rachel Williams scored in the 65th, and despite there being enough energy, effort, skill, and talent for the three points, Spurs were left oddly disappointed in not winning their first ever North London Derby after a very late Vivian Miedema goal to make the results sting a little bit more after such a strong showing. Although it was a 1-1 draw, this match especially is one to continue to keep in mind as a jumping off point for the team as they know they are good enough to beat Arsenal. And after watching the highlights of the match, I know that Spurs will beat them one day especially soon. 
Then just a few days after that 1-1 draw in the league against Arsenal, the team beat Watford in the League Cup with a resounding win of 11-0. Yes, that's 11 goals to zero goals. Although that match was not necessarily indicative of the quality of the Women's Super League, as it was the League Cup, it was, still gave some fringe players or those who may not have or who may have more substitutive roles to come on and get more minutes. The following match in the Women's Super League wasn't as encouraging as West Ham defeated Spurs 1-0. Although Tottenham had their chances and adding insult to injury, forward Kit Graham went down injured. It wasn't enough and a frustrating loss was on hand. So that's November. And then there were a few games now to cover for December. In the league, Rachel Williams again showed her class against Aston Villa on December 12th as she grabbed the eventual game winner in the 68th minute. Spurs women grabbed the three points from the match, which ended 2-1. Just three days after the Aston Villa win, the team grabbed a 3-2 victory against Coventry in the League Cup. Rachel Williams again scored the winner, which was Spurs, which has Spurs women's women through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup. Then focusing on the league a few days later, Spurs women played Everton on the 19th of December, coming away with a 1-0 win. Forward Jess Naz, despite being a solid 20-24 yards from goal, struck the ball just right with a chip shot, and it floated over the keeper to give Spurs the victory. Now, since those are all of November and December games, we should be on to January now. Unfortunately, but also understandably, Chelsea asked and were granted a postponement for the Spurs versus Chelsea match due to a significant number of positive COVID cases in the Chelsea squad. So although the first game of 2022 has yet to be rescheduled, that means the first actual match for Spurs women in the new year will be against West Ham on this coming Sunday, January 16th. Then after that Women's Super League match, Spurs women played championship side Liverpool in the League Cup. And the get, that game will be on Wednesday, the 19th of January at the Hive. Also in January, Spurs women are slated to play Manchester United women away in the league on Sunday, the 23rd of January. And although a few matches uh, seep into February, I'd be remiss not to mention them in case I'm not on before them. So just make sure that you're checking the schedules too. Uh, both scheduled matches in February are for the Women's Super League play with one match at home against Brighton on Sunday, the 6th of February. And then the second match is away at Birmingham City on Sunday, the 13th of February, who Birmingham City just recently beat Arsenal 2-0 in the league. So that should be an interesting game as Birmingham City are last in the league. And before I give you a quick synopsis of the table and then leave you, I wanted to add a quick bit of news in here that... In the January transfer window, Spurs women have just signed Finnish international Evelina Suminen. The midfielder who was most recently playing in Sweden brings international experience, having been a big part of the Finland squad that has qualified for this summer's 2022 Euros. And then now onto the table under Rian Skinner's guidance. Spurs women are currently in third place out of the 12-team table with six wins, two draws, and two losses. 12 goals for, 7 goals against, and 20 points. The team is very much in in a stable position, but always have their head on a swivel. Uh, Chelsea have played one fewer, but are on 21 points and are in second place, with Arsenal above them, with having played 10 and now with 25 points. 
while Chelsea and Arsenal are respectively the two teams above Tottenham. The ones below to keep an eye on are Manchester United on 18 points, Brighton on 15 points, and three teams, Manchester City, West Ham, and Reading, all on 13 points. So I know that was a lot, but that's all for me this time, and hopefully you have had your fill of Spurs women. As a reminder, feel free to message me on Twitter at Catherine Rupp for Spurs men or Spurs women questions, comments, or just chat. And that's all for me this time. Come on, you Spurs, and now on to Luke's locks. Thanks, Catherine. Well, thank you, Catherine. Uh, here we are for Luke's locks. Here's your four free money picks of the week, guaranteed to make you a bit of coin for the weekend. First up, we are going to take Newcastle at home, minus a half goal versus Watford. Uh, St. James Park's probably going to be rocking for this one, relegation battle. Um, I expect them to be totally up for it. Um, with the relegation stakes alone, I think Newcastle's going to prove way too strong uh, for Watford, as we just recently saw Watford playing six at the back type stuff. They don't seem like they're going to be too aggressive on the road. So I think Newcastle wins this one comfortably, so take them minus the half goal. Next up, we're going to take Man United minus a half goal away at Villa. Man United's had a couple of bad results as of late, and I think they're just way too talented to not turn it around and get back on track. So look for United to come out strong and get a nice win on the road and cover the minus half goal at Villa. Third, unfortunately, we're going to take the under here, two and a half goals in the North London Derby. I think Spurs are going to be much stronger defensively in this round of the North London Derby as opposed to how we looked the last go about. Uh, unfortunately, I don't see us scoring many goals ourselves, so under two and a half goals here is the safe play. Last up, we're going to take West Ham minus half a goal against Leeds at home. Leeds defensively are a total circus, so I can't see them scoring enough to keep pace with West Ham at home. Uh, West Ham should have no trouble putting them away and take the half goal at home versus Leeds. There is your four free money plays of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, thanks so much, both Lucas and Catherine. I appreciate it, uh, as always, the good halftime segments. Um, but let's roll the conversation along. I just want to mention, I know uh, that this is the time of year with the window open that people want us to talk about transfers. Uh, there's not much new to talk about that we didn't already talk about last week. The big rumor right now is that uh, Spurs are in negotiations to purchase uh, Adama Traore, who we, we did mention last week as a, a possibility. It's looking a little bit more possible. Uh, we'll have to see uh, whether it actually shakes out. Um, but I think most of us have given our opinions on on how we feel about him. Except, um, uh, does anybody want to ta- tackle this one uh a, a little bit, Lucas, because I think you weren't on last week. Me and Jeff were on last week. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I I would love it. Um, I would love to bring in Traore, but there's a couple caveats there. It would have to be a heck of a deal. It would have to be, like, a good price that we get for him, maybe a swap deal, include Doherty, which would be kill two birds with one stone, get a lower price, and get rid of fucking Doherty. I wouldn't have to watch him play anymore. But it would have to be something young or um, – because putting him out on the right wing would be, it, it would be a experiment basically. So if we're going to pay a lot of money, I don't want to pay a lot of money for an experiment. I do love him and I love what he could bring to us by running at people and creating, driving the ball into space and creating lots of space for our other good attackers. Love that prospect there, but the price would have to be really right because otherwise that's money that we could spend on a young 
proper a guy like uh, what's his name? The your man from Brighton, the young kid, uh, Lamptey, or, or some kind of young, like a young right wing back that actually plays that role. I would rather the money go there if it's going to be an absorbent of price. So I would well, love the, to see Troyer come in, but I'm like the money would have to be like 20 or under. Well, the rumor is that we're offering 18. Uh, we might see that get rejected, and, and maybe it goes up to 20. But I don't see it going much above 20. Um, and I don't know exactly what Lamptey would go for, but I definitely understand the point of somebody who's uh, who's already in that position. But we do also know that Conte likes to, to, to some people to play his way and learn his way. Um, we, we saw what he did with, uh, who was it, um, Moses, right? Um, uh, if I'm, yeah, like, uh, same thing. Oh, yeah. Creating, yeah, creating, carried him into a pretty damn good right wing back. Yeah. So, but, um, I could see the value of it at the right price, but I, I agree with you there. Um, now I would say if like Traore was our only acquisition this window and then, um, um, like say the, the scum get, um, get your boy, uh, was it Vlavic or Vlavic or, uh, no, wash got... your mouth out. <laughs> if, he, if he goes to Arsenal, uh, you have to do a podcast where I just scream for an hour. But but that, that there is rumors that they are leading the race for him. Like if they got him and we only got Treori, I think I would be a little bit disappointed with the window. Uh, uh, Catherine, do you have anything to add to to this? I do not. No. Okay. okay. Well, um, we'll have to see how it shakes out. I do think that there's going to be some movement this window. Uh, Conte will make sure that we bring in somebody, but it, it, we're probably going to have to wait another couple of weeks to see how this uh, shakes out and get closer to the, the window closing before any deals are done. Um, but w- my, my stance is always if Conte wants them, I'm all for it um, at, at this point. Like he, we got to give him what he, the pieces he wants. Um, and, and then if we're not successful, then, then at least we did it his way. Um, uh, Lucas? Yeah, and I just, one quick caveat is I just want to remind people too to, I mean, we'll all be disappointed if we don't get some signings in or some guys out. For me, priority would be getting guys out. Um, but I just, there's not a lot of great business that gets done in January. It's really hard to do. So um, I think we shouldn't overreact if there isn't a mass, like, influx of signings that we bring in or something because i think conti pretty much knows conti was i think he and levy have got to have something worked out where they know that they're going to get his guys in but we, it might just be in the summer it probably won't be us bringing in a load of guys in january that we're massively overpaying for or that it, it's it seems like that's i just want to remind people that like if we don't get everyone in and if we didn't bring in five signings it's not the end of the world i think we can still keep this season rolling and maybe finish top four, even if we just bring in one guy or something. Yeah. Jeff, you wanted to jump in there too, I think. Um, yeah. I just had two quick rumors that I wanted to toss on. One was that uh, supposedly IX off, uh, already offered for Bergwine. They offered 15 and got knocked back yesterday, but according to Romano and uh, I think Alistair Gold, some other people, negotiations are ongoing, so he might be an outgoing. Um, and the other one was Matt Law in the Telegraph said that Levy went down to the Bahamas to meet with Lewis um, uh, last week, I think, and also maybe related, not related. Um, 
they were showing a Singaporean multi-billionaire around Tottenham Stadium uh, last week, which would be really interesting if he's going to invest or a potential buyer. Um, but uh, who knows? That was interesting. Usually, Matt Law knows something, so maybe something's up. Well, and I think that they Spurs have been uh, like they've been putting the pieces into place that that they want to at least do a partial sale to uh, to to a big investor at some point. Uh, so I think there's there's some smoke there uh, to to that story, uh, Catherine. It's not anything rumor wise, but I just wanted to, and this is more for my own sanity that has come about in the past few years, but I think it's important to just say, be mindful of everything because if you're constantly on Twitter or Facebook or on message boards or on WhatsApp chats and just trying to figure out what's happening with transfer windows, and this doesn't go just for the January transfer window, but for anything, but be mindful of it because it will take over your life and you will become upset or disappointed and it's not worth it because like we have, we as supporters have no basis or bearing for what happens in the business of buying and selling players, whether it's out on loan or going to different clubs. So just if something doesn't happen and you want it to, then it's fine. But if something does happen and you didn't want it to, that's also fine because we have no place to say anything. Um, and maybe I'm just being too measured about this, but or like, I don't know, logical. Um, but I've been in the past it, so anxious about transfer windows and reading rumors and everything that it does not do anything like nothing in my life goes well because my mental health suffers, my relationships suffer because I'm so consumed with this stuff. So just letting everyone know that, and I don't know how anybody else's life goes, but just be mindful of how that is because like I said, there, we have no inside knowledge of anything. And so don't be upset or disappointed or like, saying, oh, I knew something when you didn't, because it it's just smart to be a little bit, like, low-key about that. Well, yeah, and I, and I definitely understand, your, like, the overreaction that happens, especially uh, on social media, um, and, and everybody's reaction to what we used to just find out uh, on Sky Sports. <laughs> um, uh, like, I in the evening was the only time we really heard about what was going on with these things. Um, now that it's at everybody's fingertips all the time, like there's a bit overreaction and, and everybody's got an opinion and, and everything's fatalistic. If you're not getting who you think they should get or we're not getting anybody and, or Daniel Levy's destroying the world because he's not buying people right now. It's, it's, it's unhealthy <laughs> and, and, and fair point, Catherine. I'm glad you pointed it out. But let's move the conversation along to these two matches that we do have to cover. Um, and um, and let's start with the uh, this Wednesday, January 12th, the Carabao Cup uh, home home leg against Chelsea. 
Um, now we pre I previewed them last week, so uh, not nothing's changed really uh, in the the, the w- world that applies to us as far as Chelsea goes. Here we know who they have. Uh, they're probably going to put out a pretty similar team that we saw uh, last Wednesday, um, and uh, and they pretty much bossed us in the midfield for that one. Um, and and we didn't really seem to have an answer to it. Now now this will be our home leg. We'll we'll have the home crowd in it. Um, it is a London derby, so we do take it seriously. Um, but how are you guys feeling on this one? Uh, like uh, down two goals uh, in the um, on aggregate, uh, Lucas. Well, I think that last point you said right there pretty much says it all. Um, I think that. That was our big thing. If we could have even just got one late goal there at the end and on Wednesday or something to make it 2-1, anything that would have, because away goals is out the window now, it would have just kept it within reach. Then all we would have had to do is win 1-0 and we force penalties or something. Like there was, there was a path there if we could just keep it within one. I don't see there being a path now that we're down two um, unless we see a miraculous, crazy performance that we haven't proved capable of in the last I mean we haven't we haven't just bossed a game and actually taken our taken care of our advantages or uh, or our opportunities and lit the scoreboard up like we should have done against Liverpool or something like so we haven't really shown me any reason why I should be optimistic that we're going to come in at home and boss Chelsea by more than two goals so I think this one's pretty much for me just let's just no injuries like I've pretty much written this one off because of Wednesday. I don't have any high hopes for this. Just no injuries for me. Keep everyone on track, and hopefully we can get a result on the weekend against Arsenal. That Arsenal game now means a lot more to me than this one does because I just, again, I just I can't see us. I mean, we barely even had the ball on Wednesday. I get we were on the road, but it's just like I, I don't see where this miraculous three-goal win or even a two-goal win is going to come from especially against them. They're a really good side. <laughs> well, and and we're probably going to have to do this one with without Sun. Uh, mm-hmm. so, Sun's out for at least a, a couple weeks, uh, so probably both of these matches that we're about to preview, uh, Sun's not available, so what, what does that mean for up top? Do we, do we go like uh, Kane Lucas, uh, Brian Hill? Um, possibly. I mean, he was... His, uh, like. He he was all right against Morecambe. Um, like I think he was uh, one of the better contributors in that match. I think he mostly just came off for um, you know just br- to bring on the big guns up top. It wasn't about his play so much as uh, his position uh, against Morecambe. But um, but I don't know if he if he's ready for these big matches when we're talking about like uh, cup semifinals or or North London derbies. Um, so do we change formation and and uh, go with uh, like a, like a just two forwards, um, uh, Lucas? Well, no, I just was going to quickly jump in and say you were saying he doesn't have a lot of experience. I'm like maybe that's an asset in something like this in a game where we just discussed how we seem to come out in these big games and we almost look like we're afraid of the opposition and stuff. Maybe someone like Brian Hill would be a perfect like. He doesn't seem like, like he wouldn't know. He doesn't care that it's Chelsea or that it's the that League Cup semifinal because he doesn't really know who they are. Or what the, you know, it, it's it's not like this is a 
to him, this is just another opportunity to go show himself. So maybe like not having a guy that was that has the experience of these types of game would actually be beneficial to us. Yeah, uh, potentially. Uh, um, do you think it it is Hill, Jeff, or do you think it's uh, somebody else that that, that we come in, bring in for Sutton in this match? Um, I don't know. I kind of think we'll go two at the top. You know, it'll be Kane Lucas. Um, and, uh, you know, that formation seemed to work better in the second half against Chelsea. <clears throat> not that it made a huge difference, but we have nothing to lose. There's no reason to sit back and play all defense. <clears throat> um, yeah, like we did last time. I almost think it's going to be a battle to see, <clears throat> excuse me, who can do less, right? Because we've got Arsenal coming up on the weekend. They've got uh, City coming up on the weekend. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think either manager is going to want to risk their players all that much. Um, it is a uh, London Derby, so it'll probably take on a life of its own anyway. But yeah, I don't hold out high hopes for, for us coming out of it with a reversal of fortune. Well, do, do we do mid, three midfielders then? Is this like a Skip Winks and Hoybier match then? Uh, if we uh, t- yeah, if- I think Winks or Winks or Lacelsa. Oh, this also could come in too. Uh, let, let, uh, Catherine, let, we'll have you take Jeff off the hook with his voice going on us. Uh, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? Well, since I wasn't able to watch the whole League Cup match, the the first one, I don't want to come out with some sweeping generalizations for this upcoming second match. Um, but I do think, and maybe this is stupid of me to think of this but they are great but also watching certain highlights again it's just that they're great because they're they're formed well like if we can break them down I think that we do have a chance and to be fair Conte hasn't had that much time with our squad so I don't know if He'll be able to, you know, have a quick fix a week later. But he at least was able to see how Chelsea had their formation, how how uh, Tuchel uh, put out his squad. And so maybe that'll help Conte with this second leg to be like, oh, OK, well, they Chelsea might approach it differently, too. And and I wouldn't think that they would not because they're up two nil. And so why not kind of sit back? Like what Jeff said, they have city coming up too. And so I think that they might be a little bit more on the back foot. Um, and I don't know if that's the best look for us because we don't have the best offense or the best forward or midfield line. But uh, I think that we do have our chances and, and we do we do have a solid midfield and despite Sun not being able to play, we do have Kane and, and heal like what, what we've been saying. And, and so I think that we do have some quality that we'll probably be able to show. And I'm not as down on us, you know, thinking that we might do terribly. I don't know for sure. If, I don't know. I, I haven't decided yet what my prediction would be for for the for the game, but uh, 
I don't think that we will be as poor as the last match. Well, our best asset is certainly the fact that they have City on the weekend. Granted, we have the North London Derby, so that, that kind of makes it a wash, I think, in, in some sense. We both have uh, important league matches to, to look towards. And for us, it's uh, it's potentially like uh, like our chances at top four with the North London Derby are much higher if if we win that uh, for them. They're they're obviously competing for their their, their position of, at the top of the table, and they 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 have to perform well against City to um, to to keep moving up that table. Even though it looks like City's got a pretty good hold on the league right now, um, but. Regardless, uh, both important matches is for us, so it makes it uh, it makes it so both teams are kind of looking towards the weekend, despite it being a cup uh, uh, semifinal, which is kind of an unusual situation. Uh, Lucas, final thoughts, and then I'll let you roll into your prediction. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think for for me, it's uh, like I said, I've pretty much already written this one off. Um, I just I think for me the thing I'm looking for most is some kind of reaction out of our players. Um, I think they need to, like they probably understand or they should at least have some idea of how embarrassing that was for us fans to watch that game on Wednesday. And so I think that I would really just want to see our players come out with some kind of aggression, some kind of show us at least that they understand what this game means and give it a real go. And if they do that and we fall out and we get knocked out, but we give it a proper showing on Wednesday, I'll live with that. Um, Chelsea's a great team and we're already two nil in the hole because of our own mistakes. So um, yeah, I just want to see a proper effort out there from the guys and at least see that we wanted to have the ball and we wanted to fight and try and score goals or create things. It's if we show that I'll be, I'll be at least able to sleep at night on Wednesday night. Yeah, I can see that. And, let, and go ahead with your prediction. So I'm actually going to say we win, but I'm going to say we win 1-0 and unfortunately get knocked out. But I think we win. I don't think Chelsea's going to really throw much at us, but I think we we get a late one or something. And I'll say it's Kane. I see Kane scores when we win 1-0, but fortunately we end our League Cup run there. Okay. Uh I, I could see it happening. I, I'm not going to say I like it, but I could see it happening. Um, let's go to Catherine next. I think that we'll... Oh, gosh. Um, I think that we'll lose 2-1, uh, but with a Kane goal. And so there's an upside because Kane will start getting his shooting boots on. <laughs> right? Right, guys. Well, that would be that would be that'd be an upside. Yeah, be I'll take it. At least it would be a good fought battle at that point. Like it, we wouldn't be too miserable walking out of the pub, probably. Um, uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree with Catherine. I think we lose two one, and Kane scores our only goal. Yeah. Well. Um, uh, I don't think any of us are predicting and advancing to the final here. Uh, we'll we'll see if other people on the podcast uh, make those predictions later. But um, I I'm going to predict a two two draw, um, and we lose on penalties. So I still think that we, we do not. Uh, it goes all the way to penalties. We do, 
we, we still lose. Because um, uh, re- remember our last League Cup uh, uh, battle against Chelsea on penalties, uh, we won. Uh, so I think they're due to to get to give it back to us if we ever see them in penalties again. So and th- that would be the worst thing for me. All that extra time played right before the North London derby. That's why I could see this awful prediction happening and and hearing myself say it i just want to <laughs> strangle myself but <laughs> but uh but i could see it happening so um that, that that's the prediction i'm gonna go with with this one um any final thoughts before we go to the uh the, the arsenal match okay well let's talk north london derby um so um we played arsenal earlier this season at at the emirates um that did was, we uh, did we really play them? <laughs> it, it was under Nuno. It was uh, it was pretty, Arsenal played. I didn't see Tottenham play. Yeah, it was pretty depressing at that point. Um, now Arsenal was not playing that well at that point in time either, um, and and they kind of went on the bounce after beating us, I think, and it slowly improved their performance in in the league moving forward, and they've crept up the table. Um, Played fairly well in a lot of places. Uh, they are coming off of a uh, poor League Cup. Uh, um, I'm sorry, they're a poor FA Cup performance where they got knocked out by a, a, a League One side. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, like uh, is Forest League One or League Two or, or um, Championship? I thought they were Championship. They're probably Championship. Yeah, right? they're Championship. So they lost to a Championship side. In the FA Cup, so I take that back. But um, uh, they're currently in fourth place in the league with 35 points, 11 wins, two draws, seven losses. Um, they um, they lost the Forest and lost the City prior to that. Uh, they had Wolves postponed, and then they beat Norwich and Sunderland, so teams that they should beat. But um, they do have to play Liverpool midweek prior to that because of the postponement that they had. So that's on Thursday. So they have shorter rest coming into this match. Um, their top goal scorer now is uh, Smith Rowe with eight and Saka's behind him with six. Uh, Saka is the top assist guy with four. Um, Martinelli is the top rated player with 7.37. Um, we do know that we've lost the last two times that we faced them, uh, beat them the two prior times before that and drew them uh in, going back to September 2019. So where are you guys at on this uh, North London derby? Feeling good, feeling bad, uh, feeling nervous? Uh, Lucas, you had your hand up first, so go for it. Well, for me, it's – I don't know. I I wouldn't say I'm nervous for it. Um, I think I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because of pretty much – this is a good – I literally just talked about this with the – with the Chelsea uh, game that we were just talking about, because it's the same kind of thing that I'm looking for here from the guys is Arsenal has been playing a lot better. Um, They seem to gotten to into a good run over like the last month or so, but they're not world beaters. Um, We made them look like world beaters the last time we played them. And that really pissed me off is like the effort that we gave in that game was embarrassing. We like, it seems so long ago with Nuno, it almost feels like it was a dream or something that was a nightmare. Because, I mean, we got pumped by 3-0 to Chelsea, 3-0 to United, 3-0 to Palace, 1-0 to West Ham, 
three was one three, to Arsenal. Three, it's one, like, three, three one to Arsenal. But yeah, yeah, three one was the Arsenal one, but that was a late goal. It was three nil at halftime. So it's just if if we come out and we're focused, and I, I just want to see that effort from the guys showing again that this is the fucking North London derby. This game is so important to us, and I want to see the guys actually react and say we owe Arsenal an ass kicking. Are we going to give them an ass kicking? Maybe, maybe not. But I would really like to see us come out and have that mentality like that's our game plan is to absolutely thrash this team. Yeah, well, and the big thing is, like, how are we going to set up to do that? Like, I do think that we have to have that mentality. We have to come out strong. Like, uh, what what wingbacks do you guys use for this uh, this match? Like, uh do you use Sassanian? Is this a Regulon match? Is this a, um, like, what are our options here? Do do we try Doherty in this one? Uh, no. <laughs> Why did you say his name? Absolutely It's not. like candy, man. Like, what are you doing? Say, it's the candy man. Don't say it <laughs> yeah. two more times, please. If we say Doherty's name three times on this podcast, he gets a five-year extension on his contract. But um, what do we do to, in the midfield to, because uh, they... They have gotten to be a pretty good attacking team. I think they are vulnerable on defense, um, but um, but but we need to uh, have a, a solid game plan for how we're going to handle them. Um, uh, Lucas, they're, they're just not oh, good, Catherine, though. They're just not good. I know that they they beat us in September, but. Like Lucas said, that it, it's like a fever dream for us because that was just it, it was a Nuno game, and and I think that we should all forget about it, despite it being in the record books now. Um, but especially after seeing some of the the gameplay with Nottingham Forest that Arsenal had, they they're oh, they're just terrible um and yes they might have a few good players but they're not a cohesive unit and I think that Conte can really uh use that to our advantage because despite us talking about our our B squad and and not playing well against Morecambe I think that with our A squad we can really show Arsenal who we actually are and and especially with Conte being at the home that he'll be able to have a good formation he'll be able to really rile up the players and say yes it is the North London Derby this is one of the only games that you should be truly up for I mean yes you should be up for all the games but this is one of the games that you need to be up for that you need to be playing for your playing time you need to be playing for the fans the supporters the the club, the history of, of Tottenham Hotspur. And I think that with knowing we've not had that bad of a run in the past three, four years with them, that we can turn that around and maintain that for the next few years. Because Conte, I think, has that in him with the players that we have now that we can kind of turn the narrative around and say, Yes, we're going to go ahead and and beat them and and uh, take advantage of the the strengths that we have, but also downplay our weaknesses and and 
bring it forward, especially because we are at home. Well, I think we've got to kill their narrative because their narrative right now is that they're they're in fourth place. They feel like they're becoming a top four. They've they they've overcome us. Yes, we have two games in hand, but we have to win those games in hand, and those are going to be weird midweek fixtures. Um, right now, I think they're feeling pretty good about wh- how they're playing and where they're at. Like uh, d- despite this forest uh, performance. Um, so we have we certainly need to stop their narrative like they like their their narrative is that they're buying now to, to be able to compete for the top 4 again and and be that team that was always on top of us uh, I mean I, I I will disagree with that but <laughs> uh, no I think that's the narrative that they want to buy right now uh, that's I think that's where they're at they're trying to become that and if we don't maintain our spot ahead of them um, this this is a huge match for that reason. Um, I think, Jeff, you wanted to jump in and then Lucas. I was just going to say, I mean, I totally agree with Catherine. I think this one's for all the marbles, right? This is our chance to beat them, pass them into the into the top four, and then the games in hand, which we've been talking about you know, since December, then they come into play and we can put distance between us and Arsenal. But this this is it. This is where we find out what team we really have right now if they come out and beat arsenal in this game you know then then we we really are looking good as a top four team if they come out and fall apart like they did last year against liverpool twice when they had the same opportunity um actually that was even more right that that was for top of the league um but if they fall flat on their face like they have so many times before that that reinforces what kind of team we have so i'm optimistic that that it's going to be a positive performance and that they really are ready to take that jump. Uh, Lucas, go go and uh, bring us home and then uh, make your prediction. Well, I think to Catherine's point, like, yeah, they're not, they're not that great of a team. They're not, but they have ever since the last five years or so, they've kind of developed this West Ham little brother syndrome under us where they are always up for this freaking game. The last several times, like not even, um, I mean, even the one where we played them, we lost last year when Lamella scored the Rabona and then had the red card and like a dumbass, and we lost. Like in that game, we were abysmal. We were horrible in that game, and they were playing and they were had they were on such poor form, and we had been doing pretty well. And then we showed up, rolled into that game, and just weren't up for it. And they, of course, were. So it's like they seem to not care about form when they're playing us. It's just all form goes out the window, and they just this game is their Super Bowl. So I'm like, there, there's that aspect where I would like to see us kind of like Jeff said, this is a, this is a big one. This isn't just the North London Derby. It's this has got all the top four implications and where they like, like you had mentioned, they see themselves. They're starting to finally kind of buy into Arteta's thing saying we should like trust the process. And it's it's starting to kind of take shape for them a little bit. So to them, they're thinking. Yeah, we show them who's boss on Sunday, and all of a sudden, that's why signings are going to want to come sign for us because Arsenal's back and all that nonsense. But it's again, it's this is ours to lose. I think we are the better side in terms of tactics. Like you said, I think that our lack of midfield is going to encourage them to really come forward. So even though we don't have Sun, I still think we're going to try and do a lot of hitting them on the break. I don't see us having a lot of possession. Um, our lack of our like again, our lack of a midfield just 
it's really easy to walk through them. So I expect them to have the ball in our third a lot. And we're going to have chances. I think it's going to be very similar to how Liverpool played us at White Hart Lane, where we're going to have a lot of chances. And if we can take advantage of those chances, we can put this team away. And if we can't, then I think it's going to be, could be a very disappointing afternoon for us. Well, and I am nervous about us not having Sun on the break. Is Oh, uh, yeah. But it's nerve-wracking about this particular match. Uh, w- Do you know if Bergvine's Sun. healthy? Um, is he back yet? Yeah, I mean, if they're not, if they're not just preventing playing him because of uh, uh, the, the the potential move to Ajax, uh, um, uh, but I mean, I guess you don't have to worry about any cup ties or anything like that with this uh, with moving him. So throw him in if you think he's going to be useful. Uh, just well, who knows? Maybe Bales, maybe Bales in here by Sun by Sunday, and we can just slot him in, and <laughs> maybe we, maybe Traore starts. Who knows? Yeah, maybe Traore is the <laughs> unlikely hero yeah. in his first Traore hat trick at home. Well, um, let, with that, let's go to predictions, uh, and uh, uh, you can start the predictions, Lucas. Uh, I you- have us at one one, and I have the goal coming from Lucas on the break. I think Lucas is going to have a. I think they're going to score first, and we'll get an equalizer, and it'll end there. 1-1. One, one. Goal to Lucas. Okay, 1-1 one, one goal to Lucas. Um, let's go to Jeff next. Uh, I think we win 2-1, and I think the goals are Kane and Lucas. Oh, okay. I, I like a win. Uh, Catherine? Well, I think we might be playing a 3-5-2 type of situation. Wait, does that work? I don't know. Yeah, 343 yes. type of yeah. Um and because of that, I think Sessegnon's going to play and so he will get one of the goals as will Kane and will come away victorious 2-1. Hmm. Okay, 2-1. Um I'm going to say 1-1. Uh we get a goal from Kane uh cuz I don't see one coming from any other way. I think it's oh, overall like a a little bit disappointing like maybe we get the our, our one before they get theirs and uh we, we kind of give up the uh lead towards the end um but we do not get the the win that we want and need um unfortunately um and i'm just gonna say because tommy's uh probably uh going to pick on the fact that I did not pick goal scorers for the Chelsea match. Kane's going to have both of my goals there too, so it's going to be a three-goal week for, for Harry Kane. Um, any final thoughts on the week? Uh, we're running a little bit long, but like any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? No, nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, well, thank you so much to uh, Catherine, Lucas, and Jeff for being on this week. Uh, but that about wraps it up. So thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill for the use of the recording space when we do record there and for having a place to watch when we don't. Uh, find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Find us both now on Stitcher and in Spotify. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.